lot of our, our team, our leadership team, were going to be away. Um, and um, we were talking about what to do. Um, and I said, oh, OK, well, you know, we'll look after the program today since Neil and Sim are away. And um, so I guess that meant it was our turn to share our, a bit about us. So um, my name is Angeline. I don't know if many of you probably have seen me around, but they don't, don't really know me very well. Um, I'm an accountant. Um, I work for an accounting firm in the city. I as, um, work in their IT and their training section, so I get to do all the fun stuff and they do all the tax work, which is awesome. Um, I'm the oldest of, of two kids. Um, my, mum, my dad is a minister and um, he is a bit old-fashioned, I guess, in the way in the way he views his ministry and so he felt that every time he got asked to shift somewhere it was a call from God. So I have lived in three countries and eight different cities or towns um, to date. Um, so it's quite nice now to actually know that you know Brisbane is our home and we're actually here hopefully for the rest of our lives but who knows what's going to happen. I've learnt over a lot of experiences that you just think your life is going um, you know, down one path and then suddenly there's a whole new plan. And um, I guess with all of those new plans, I've also learnt that through every new plan, God looks after you and you can trust in him. So one, the story that I want to share with you today is um, a story about how God uh, worked in, in my life um, and in the life of my family um, I guess because I'm a pastor's kid, um, I've always gone to church, I've always known God, I've always grown up loving God, so I have no great conversion story, but what I have seen is in, through a lot of big things and little things, God has, has shown that he is there, he, he does love and he does care. So the story I'm going to tell you about, um, it's one that I more remember hearing about um, than, than recall myself, because it's about me. And I was only very, very young. Um, it's a story from when my, my dad was stationed in Papua New Guinea. Um, he got called to go to Papua New Guinea when I was um, nine months old. Um, at that, that point in time, um, he was living in New Zealand. Um, and so they, they accepted and, and uh, we, we arrived in Papua New Guinea. Um, we didn't just end up in a nice sort of spot where there were lots of other expats. Um, Dad was stationed in a place called Ambunti, which is on the Sepik River, which is about as far out in the sticks as you could possibly put anyone. There's some picture there um, that's of the airstrip. So you could get in on a little plane on the airstrip um, into Ambunti or the river that you see in front of it is um, a nice crocodile-infested river um, called the Sepik River and um, you, would, you could go in via, via canoe. Um, when we shifted all of our furniture and stuff in, that had to go up the river on barges and mum, actually, mom, my mum's very musical, so she even took her piano on the barge up there. But anyway, um, this, this place that we were living, um, a few years before, ha uh, there had been... Um, very little uh, European um, people living in the area. So mum and my 
sister and I were some of the white, first white women and children um, that, that the people just up, you know, in the villages surrounding had ever seen. Um, and some of them had not many years before been, been cannibals. Um, this picture here is of a, a medical boat called the Pathfinder that used to go up and down the river and um, providing medical assistance to the villagers. Um, I think Clayton's mum was a bit involved in that when, when he lived uh, in Papua New Guinea. Um, next photo, Clayton. Um, just some pictures of the, the local people. You can see the quality is pretty bad because it was quite a number of years ago. Um, and, you know, this is just a picture of me. I was pretty little on the, there. And that's a picture of uh, my mum and my sister. My sister's the baby and, and myself. Um, mum actually um, had my younger sister, Letitia, um, while we were living um, in that area. But she, uh, you know, went on a little trip a little bit further away to somewhere where it was a little bit more medical support um, for that. But anyway, um, malaria was always a massive problem in the CPIC um, and I guess anywhere in Papua New Guinea. And um, it was quite regular for, for us to get malaria. Um, we were quite used to treating it. Um, anyway, I got really sick um, with malaria and um, the you know, mum and dad, you know, sort of treated me normally and, and um, it wasn't really working. The, the nurses, some of the, I think they had some visitors from overseas who were nurses and they, you know, gave me some stronger drugs and, and that didn't really work either. Um, and so mum and dad were getting really, really concerned. Um, I was just getting sicker and sicker. Um, my head started to swell and my eyes were bulging out of this, um, their sockets. So... Mum and Dad um, decided that, you know, they really should get me to some better medical attention. So they um, hopped in their canoe. Um, I think there's a picture of our canoe. Yeah, but that wasn't when I was sick. Um, yeah, that's how we used to get up and down the river. And they took me, their very sick child, in the canoe down the river to where they had an old ute that was always parked there. They'd, they'd leave the ute there, but they'd take the battery out of it so that no one would steal the ute. And so, you know, put the battery in the ute, put your sick child in the ute, and then bump along a very bumpy road all the way to a town called um, Martprick, where um, there were another um, Australian family, um, Doug and Angie Robertson, I don't know if some of you around the Kurumbong area might know them, um, were stationed there um, where they could um, take me to a hospital and get some more medical attention. Um, when they got to Martprick, they took me to the hospital and um, there was a, a European doctor there who examined me and um, did many, many tests and they found that, um, like, including a lumbar puncture, and they found that I actually had a, a strain of malaria called cerebral malaria and um, I also had encephalitis as well. Um, so I was a really, really sick little girl. Um, mum and Dad were told that they should take me home, not leave me at the hospital because the conditions at home would be better than the conditions at the hospital. Um, and that the doctor told them that if I was one of the native children, he would not expect um, that I would live or that I would be severely brain damaged. Um, so mum and dad, you know, with this very positive 
information, um, took me home to Doug and Angie's where they um, stayed with me and looked after me and just took me back, to, back and forth to the doctor. Um, now, um, on Saturday was coming up and um, the union office and um, the church, church offices, they, they decided that um, they would organise special prayer for me. So the rest of the family all went off to church and um, mum stayed with me back at Angie and Doug's and I was just on a mattress on the floor. And mum says that the time that they were praying at 9.30, um, like about around Sabbath school time, I, who had been just pretty much just lying on this mattress, not moving and really sick, just sort of rolled off the mattress, like grabbed my, tried to crawl up on the furniture and just started trying to pull myself up around the furniture, around the room. And from then on, I actually just got better and better and um, I survived. I'm not brain damaged. <laughs> and um, yeah, it was a real um, miracle. And I, I, I've, I've, I said to mum, you know, weren't you freaking out? Like, what was going through your mind? And, and she said to me, they weren't worried. They just, they were out there serving God and they had no, they just didn't have access to what we have here in Australia, but they just had this faith that they were there doing God's work and somehow he would help and he would intervene and, and he did. And I, I guess um, the thing from that um, story that has always stayed with me, I guess this one, my parents' faith and also just knowing that, you know, um, we don't, um, I, I guess we don't always get to see how powerful God is because there's so much medical attention here in Australia and we have so much around us. But, but um, sometimes when there is nothing, then it, it just becomes clearly evident that God is, is there and, and, and how powerful he is to help us um, when we can't do anything for ourselves. So, so that's just a little bit from, from my life. So I'm going to pass over to Dale and um, he's going to share a bit about um, him and his journey. So my experience is very different to Ange. Uh, I haven't come from a pastor's family. Um, pretty much came from a single parent family. Um, growing up, uh, yeah, it's quite funny because when we met, Anja's mum being related to Adventist through the Adventist church, shifted around countries, goes, who's this boy? Who's his mum? Who's his dad? Who's his relatives? No idea, so I don't know whether that was a blessing or not, but so far, so good. Um, so growing up, consisted of mum, dad, I had two sisters, and I'm the youngest, we lived on acreage out in the south side of Brisbane. Um, as a kid, I spent a lot of time in a truck. Dad was a truck driver. Um, by the time I was four or five, I had pretty much an iron cast stomach. I could eat pies for breakfast. I knew all the local bakeries and I knew all the local pubs. So mum would find me sitting up on the bar in pubs quite regularly because she'd have to come pick us up because dad was too drunk to drive us home. Um, when I was nine, we shifted up to Rocky and lived up there for a few years, came back to Brisbane for high school. Um, through high school, I stayed out of trouble pretty well, um, mainly because mum made me play a lot of sport. I played tennis probably five or six days a week, so that kept me fairly active and out of harm's way. And the only time I can really remember going to church as a child was the two years that we lived in Rocky. Um, it was very sporadic actually going to church through my upbringing. My mum, um, from what I can remember, she always managed restaurants, takeaway places, 
um, but when she was younger, she drove trucks and smoked a pack of cigarettes a day. I spent most of my childhood just growing up with mum, the two of us. So I've got two older sisters who are seven and ten years younger. So by the time I was about seven or eight, they were both out of home. And so there was just mum and I pretty much up until I left. And I know my mum gave up a lot for me to get my education, just being a single mum, and to get me to where I am today. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, to the point, because we were together so much, that when I finally went off to college, she would still prepare two table places at the table, expecting me to be still around. So, yeah, it was a bit of a hard thing to get past. My dad, uh, he was a truck driver, and if you know the Briars, basically all that generation is. Um, he's an alcoholic, which nearly all the Briars are as well. Uh, there's very few of us that have actually broken that mould. Um, he was sporadically in my life through high school and basically I've seen him four times in the 17 years that we've been married and two of those times were because um, of relatives' funerals. He actually did start going to church when I was little, probably went for about two or three months, but his dad started laying into him and giving him a hard time, so he gave it up pretty quick and never stood, stood a foot back in church. Um, Mum and Dad, they split for the first time when I was uh, about nine, and that's why we went up to Rocky. He did come up and follow us for a while. They did split when I was about 11, finally. Um, and at that stage, I actually ended up in hospital with five stomach ulcers about the size of a 20-cent coin. Um, so once I got through high school, I went down to college, um, studied to become an accountant. Still trying to get out of it, but we'll get there one day. Um, that's where I met Ange. Um, I was baptised when I was down there. I graduated and finally got a job in Sydney. Um, baptism for me, it came down to, I guess in my life I had a pretty black and white picture. I had my dad's life and I had my mum's life. And I was influenced by a few positive people down at college. Um, a gentleman by the name of Dr Lindsay. And I had a few other people in my life that influenced me in a positive way um, and to me it was a pretty easy decision seeing which way I wanted to lead my life and what was important to me as I went forward. Um, I still struggle with the fact that I don't have a father in my life and I just couldn't imagine that with my kids. Um, it's just something I wouldn't want to miss out on and it's a, I guess a choice that some people make and some people don't get the choice to make but for me, it's something I would find very hard to have without. So when I shifted to Sydney, I found a job and I lived with some mates in a house, uh, first rental home we got. Uh, it was very interesting. They came from conservative Adventist backgrounds and I've come from the other way completely. So when they got to college and got out of college, they went, we almost crossed paths. Um, they went the wild way and I sort of edged my way the other way slowly. So when you go to bed and then wake up in the morning, you have to clean vomit off your door. It's a lot of fun. They've had wild nights. So I got out of there as quick as I could. Um, we, I found a unit down in Parramatta opposite the jail. So I could literally see the jail directly across from where I was living. And when I started there, basically I had about four things to my name. I had a beanbag, a TV, a bed a camping cupboard to put my clothes in because it had no built-ins. 
and a washing machine that was actually given to Ange for her 21st birthday, so I ended up with that. Um, we started going to Kellyville Church when we were there. Uh, we got married when Ange was 21 and I was 23. And when we were at Kellyville, we pretty much got hooked into church by a gentleman by the name of David Riley. Different David Riley to the preacher at Croy. Um, he's actually in Melbourne these days. And he just invited us to stuff. Um, he invited us to a Bible study that he was starting up with a bunch of other couples. And we just became familiar with those people, met some really good people, and kept on being felt welcome at the church. And it just made a big difference to our experience. And that's how we felt comfortable at Kellyville. Also, young newlyweds, we were looking for something to do at church. Um, some of you guys know Sean Berkeley down at the Gold Coast, and he works a lot in juniors in different places. He was our youth pastor down at Kellyville, and all I can remember is him up the front. He had about 40 to 50 teens and youth, and he was standing up in the front of the church pleading for help um, and being too active people, newlyweds, we don't know if it was foolishly or not. I volunteered and this one came along for the ride. Um, and so we ended up working with the teens there for four to five years um, in their church, which was a great experience. Um, then a new bunch of teens came through and we just didn't want to go through the experience again of getting to know a whole new bunch and doing it all again. So we decided to have a year of Dale and Ange in-house joke for some of us that know some of our other friends. And, but six months into that, we got lazy. We stopped going to church. We got bored. Um, and I guess it's just not in our DNA not to do things. So we started up a couples class at Kellyville Church. And the whole church was full. Um, so we actually had to meet in the Pathfinder Shed as a couples group. Um, and they called the group The Shed. Um, it went really well. We, I think at one stage we probably had about 30 to 40 couples coming along and basically we had stuff on every weekend and did a lot together. It was a lot of fun and that's where we met Ben for the first time in Sydney um, during that time in the group. Now the first time that I really had God intervene in my life as an adult, Cam was born in 2003 um, and we considered, well, I considered shifting back to Brisbane. I shouldn't say we yet. Um, considered shifting back to Brisbane. But at the time, any time that I thought about it, I felt really crook in the stomach. And it was like God was telling me, this isn't the time to go. So we, I sort of forgot about it for a while. In 2004, um, I accepted the position of, of an elder at Calibre Church. And... Um, I thought that's what God got me to stay there for, for a little bit longer. And we also said when I had had enough of my current job, that was a time to shift. I got partway through the year and I got itchy feet like I do at work pretty quickly. Um, I don't last at jobs too long. I get bored pretty quick. Um, that we would start applying for jobs in Brisbane. Um, so I did, I did start applying, but nothing happened. Brisbane's a bit of a funny market, especially in accounting. Um, basically, if you're not up here and you don't know people, you don't get a job. It's a pretty tough market to get into, especially if you're coming from another town. 
nothing happened um, and stopped applying and left it at that. We went a bit further down the track and we said, we both sort of got on the same page a bit. No, okay, I was still on that page by myself. She came with me. It's nine months. I was pregnant with Jared, so I was wanting to stay and be very settled where I was, as you do when you're pregnant. So we got to the stage where we sold our townhouse. I resigned and I didn't have a job. I hadn't started applying. Um, I f a job came up. Somebody told me about it or something, and I applied for it. So I, we pretty much only had two weeks of my current job to go. Jared was about oh, a week away from being born, and I found this job that I applied for, and um, it was just lucky for me that the head office was in Sydney. So I knew the area, I knew that area, and they were comfortable with that, me being in Sydney and going up to Brisbane. So that morning I got dressed, ready for the interview. Um, went off to the interview, but what I didn't know was Ange had gone into labour that morning. So she didn't tell me that morning that she had gone into labour, so thankfully the interview went well and I was home about midday and could take her up to the hospital. Um, and Jared was born at seven o'clock that night. So it was, to me, just going through that whole process and then laying it in God's hands and just putting our faith in him just to say, God, it's all up to you. We'll put the house on the market and when you're ready to sell, you sell it. Get me another job and we'll go. And it just happened that way and it fell into place. And, yeah, we've enjoyed it up here since. You got the job. Oh, yeah, I got the job. And we moved, yeah, probably about three or four weeks later. Um, so that was one instance. But I can see also, like, because I was working with this organisation till the GFC hit in 2008. At that stage, my job got made redundant, and since then I've been going through a bit of a job hopping exercise um, for one reason or another, and now I work at um, Arnott's at Virginia, and I've been there for nearly two years. Um, and through that time, I haven't really understood where God's been leading me um, in that part of my life, and I've wondered why, with the, why certain things have happened and what's been happening. But now that I can look back and see where God's put me in certain spots, they were like stepping stones into the next job. And if I didn't get back into FMCG where I did, I would never have ended up in Arnott's doing what I'm doing now and loving what I'm doing now. And it's just good to be able to look back. Um, so I can look through my journey, whether it's my childhood, whether it's working life or whatever. And there's things that you don't like, things that you don't understand. But somebody told me once, life's a bit like an embroidery. It's between God and us. And God looks down and he can see the perfect picture on the top of the embroidery. But when we look up, we see the under part that's all knotted and stringy. And we don't quite know what's going on because sometimes we make wrong decisions. Sometimes we take different paths. But when we have our faith in God, we know that he is looking at the perfect picture and that if we leave ourselves in his life, we will get there. Just like to bow your heads as we pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love us. Thank you so much that you see the big picture, that you have a plan for each one of us. Just help us all to have the faith to follow where you lead and just to know that you'll be there with us every step of the way.